Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Joel. Good to be here. Seems All right, like so that, that's something new um, uh, since the last time you were here. You started out Revox Social. Talk about that. Yeah, so I spent about six months, you know, coming up with the brand and the name and all that fun stuff. Uh, I hired a, an expert branding person. We worked through that process. We started in the middle of the summer and just this past December uh, kind of signed off on everything and uh, brought you guys some goodies. I don't have hats oh, nice. or T-shirts yet, but I have stickers. Okay, I love so, it. So, you know, that that's about as good as I can do. We, we got you a TalkErie.com coffee <laughs> hey, mug, so thanks. you got to bring that around with I promise you. next time I'll come I'll have you know oh, way I more shots. Yeah. I, I need I need to get a new laptop so I can put there put my go. stickers it's on. It's all the, the cool laptop. kids are doing, yeah. The, the, my daughter is totally over that. So what's what's the significance of Revox? So again, Re- of course, you're dealing with radio guys here, which <laughs> that's how we got started is on a Revox tape recorder. Yes, you know? and, and I am well aware that they are a, <laughs> uh, a very established company, but uh, Revox is Latin for another voice. Okay. So, you know, I feel like a lot of people come to social media hoping to turn it into an extension of their voice for their brand or their business or their personality. So uh, that's what we want to do. We want to help people find their voice and then share their voice uh, across all the mediums and all the channels. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we we came up with the name. Uh, I think it applies to so many spaces, not just social media, Mm -hmm. whether it's doing something like this, uh, radio, television, podcasting, online reputation management. Your voice has now become, uh, you know, present in so many more places than than just face to face with people. When I hear that, what occurs to me, is that people feel like there's a certain way that they should act on social that is not necessarily true to their corporate culture or their even their personality. Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah, and I don't know where we kind of got off track with that. You know, when social media became, uh, you know, mainstream, it was about communicating with people in, in authentic ways. And somewhere along the way, we started to think we had to present ourselves uh in a different way you know this is my online life and this is my real life you know (laughs) and uh i think a lot of that has to do with businesses ever since pages became a thing facebook pages businesses and brands a lot of people had brand standards and things they had to to do online to make them hold up to who they were as a business and then we also have just been influenced in that way and how many people influencers on social media get paid money to present themselves in a certain way. So for you and I, Joel, who are just the average people scrolling through Facebook and Instagram, I think we see these people that seem to present their highlight reels online mm-hmm. and we we think we've got to do the same thing. And we don't. And that's what I want to teach people and brands and businesses that authenticity always wins. People want real life stuff. The stock images, the fake personas, we see through all that stuff now. Yeah, it, I would think too that whether you're... Um, in the construction trades, or if you're doing healthcare, or what have you. Again, as a business entrepreneur, if you if you're in retail, um, telling the the stories that not necessarily gritty. I mean, you want to stay positive, but that that reflect reality that are that are kind of compelling. I would think that that would be 
much more an effective social brand than this kind of either this happy talk or sometimes this really passive aggressive kind of thing where people lash out at the, <laughs> at the people that are complaining about whatever. Absolutely. Well, as humans, we're wired, you know, to crave face-to-face interaction and community. And word of mouth marketing is, I think, a phrase that will never go stale because it still is the best. I will trust what you tell me about who you hired more than I would trust a Yelp review or a Facebook post because I trust you as a person. So I think that, you know, we still love word of mouth marketing and the more that our businesses and our brands and people present themselves authentically online, you are looking for relatability and you're looking for trust. So if I'm posting a bunch of stock images and, and I'm always selling and screaming my message online, I'm not winning anybody over. But if I'm being honest, maybe a touch of vulnerability involved there, uh, you know, that's what people look for because that kind of goes back to what we're doing right now. We're looking at each other in the eye mm-hmm. and we're, we're being honest with, with each other. And I think even though social media has created kind of a space to separate that human interaction, it's still super important that we find ways to break down that barrier. And I think it can be achieved with how we are authentically ourselves as businesses and as people and humans in, on social media. Folks, the expert is in. If you want to give him a call, we're finding out about best practice when it comes to social media and online reputation. 814-679-1080. 814-679-1080. And if you want to be fancy schmancy about it, I could probably take a, a messenger uh, text. You know, we'll just you know we'll just dive right in here. I, I'll open up our messenger for Talk Erie, and you can uh, get a hold of us that way. Okay, so all right. So, um, what is what's the latest shiny new thing there, Chris? What, what's what, what's the hot item here? Well, for me personally, I'm really invested in LinkedIn right now. I oh, think, yeah, I yeah. think LinkedIn is just it's it's perfect for someone like me. You know, uh, starting out in a business, trying to network, trying to meet new people, trying to get a pulse for what's happening professionally around me. As much as I still like seeing people p- taking pictures of their food and 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 you know these these videos that you can you know get lost on on YouTube. Yeah. LinkedIn for me is where it's at right now. Um, but also uh, outside of my personal preference, LinkedIn still has great organic reach. So I've been pushing a lot of my clients to find ways to connect with people on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is kind of harkening back to the early days of Facebook where you know, you might post something two weeks ago and it's still sort of uh, showing up in people's feeds. Every now and then I look down at my phone, I have a LinkedIn notification. Someone has commented on something I posted weeks ago. Wow. Uh, just because they haven't really uh, you know, used the algorithm yet to constrain people's organic reach, meaning what you post more than likely people will see. Whereas on Facebook, we all know that's not necessarily true anymore. Uh, and I just love it because the people that I am connecting with are on LinkedIn are the, are right up my audience. You know, they're mm-hmm. the kind of people, like I said, working professionals, people who might be fellow small business owners or executives. Uh, so I've been really putting forth effort there to create content on LinkedIn that people connect with that shows both my professional personality, but also just my, you know, my regular at home dad life personality. Because again, there's that barrier where if someone's thinking about hiring me and they find me on LinkedIn, 
they do want to get a glimpse into who I am as a person, not just, hey, look at how awesome I am as a professional. Here's all my credentials and certifications and endorsements. So I've really enjoyed LinkedIn lately. I love the variety of content that's there. Um, across the board, though, I know we talked about it about six months ago when I was here. TikTok is exploding. Uh, I have not invested a whole lot of time in TikTok because I don't have a whole lot of time <laughs> because I can right. get lost yeah. on TikTok. But that seems to be where a lot of people are, you know, being encouraged to at least figure out how they can make it work for their business or brands. Cause there's a lot of open real estate there. If, if you would like not many people are there. And if we think about the trends of social media, when, when Instagram first came out, everyone thought, Oh, no one's using Instagram, only photographers. And now it's an overpopulated mm-hmm. place where everyone seems to be using, uh, you know, Pinterest, uh, Snapchat. Now they're saying TikTok, get on there now, figure out ways to make contact and uh, connect it with your, your audience because in five years from now, it'll kind of be like Facebook where it's a very noisy place. Okay. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to bring this down to like the small business guy, right? Sure. So let's say I have an auto mechanic shop in Wesleyville or what have you. Um, how am I going to use TikTok? Yeah, it's a great to, question to, to engage my uh, potential customer. It's a great question. Well, you have to obviously know who your potential customer is. So, so I mean, am I, am I getting out the uh, the impact wrench and yeah. you know taking the tire off and then putting it back on Absolutely. and off and on. I think <laughs> I can almost guarantee that that auto uh, mechanic. If he searched TikTok for other auto mechanics, there's somebody out there that's doing it right and it's doing it well. So I would say start there. Get get, get a teenager or somebody who's on there that lives on TikTok and say, hey. What are they doing by living on TikTok? Are they making content? They're making content or they're consuming it at an alarming rate because it's TikTok's dangerous because literally all you do is you you refresh, you just pull down, and it it it, it, it gives you fresh content constantly. So you just sit there wow. and it's, it's geared toward you, obviously, because it is out. out algorithm based. So, uh, I would encourage somebody who's thinking about using it. And again, this is someone I don't use it. I gave it a shot. It was fun. I look at it every now and then. Um, but I would say find someone who does and say, Hey, show me a mechanic that you as maybe an 18 or 20 year old that has a car Tell, tell me why you connect with them on TikTok. What are they posting? And sometimes it might be outrageous and not super helpful. But if your demographic is, you know, the 18 to 22-year-old kids that maybe are buying their first car and maybe need new tires on it or need an oil change, and they say, hey, Grandpa, this guy's hilarious. <laughs> I love him. If he had a shop close by, I would oh take my, my car to him. Word. Learn from other people doing it well because there's a lot of real estate and available people on TikTok right now. Uh, I, you, I don't know if you knew this, but my nephew went viral, got two million views That's on TikTok, crazy. yeah, doing his little football moves, and he now you know now he's got a platform, yeah. and uh, I, I think they you know they somebody sent him some stuff. I mean, it's not like he's getting rich on TikTok. It's, it, I think he's gotten a couple free things in the mail to wear, but that's it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, uh, is there anybody getting rich on social media? I think, uh, well, you know, I just sat through a, an influence marketing session a couple of weeks ago from a yeah. uh, local business called Apex Drop, and they talked a lot about influence marketing, the rise in influence marketing. And essentially what that is, is it's, it's people who don't have 10 million followers, but maybe have... 5,000 followers. So uh, you are reaching out to these folks and saying, hey, you have influence with 5,000 people that are your closest friends and people that trust you. You're a smaller brand with a little bit uh, more, I guess, quality reach and influence in people. And they're 
you know, sometimes paying them with actual money uh, or paying them with just free stuff, like you said, your nephew got to benefit from. And they're using them to leverage their inner circle of people to uh, sell their product. And it's way more relatable to see somebody who has 5,000 followers than you know, 5 million. Mm -hmm. So those, some of those influence marketing folks are making money. Like, you know, if you have enough of those kind of gigs from other brands and say, Hey, we want you to sell our stuff. Just take a picture of yourself wearing it. We'll pay you this much. That could be happening. Um, a lot of times though, it's just kind of like a swap of goods. Like, Hey, I'll give you some free stuff if you wear it and take a, a real life picture, not a stock image. But as far as like getting rich, I mean, there's so many ways now I think to make some type of money, maybe not directly from social media, but to get your message out there and to drive people to a website, uh, to an event, to a subscription-based service, whatever it is, it's probably easier than it ever has been in either one of our lifetimes to make money online. And I think social media is a big part of that. I think the future of like audio is actually on the rise. And someone that you know lives and breathes radio, yeah. this has to be encouraging for you because I, I hope. Yeah. I don't think I think podcasting is 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 kind of in a renaissance. Like it's it's on the rise because it's so easy now to start a podcast. It's easier than it's ever been. Tell me, I wanna I wanna know how you walk through it. Again, you're media savvy, so you've got some tools. But what is your what is your lifestyle? How did your lifestyle lend itself to listening to a podcast? When do you listen? While you're working out, driving to work? Tell me. That's a great question. Uh, I think it lends itself to, yeah, commutes to work. Now, we live in Erie, so it's not like a 45-minute commute to most places. But I really started to get into podcasts big time when I, I had a son because there was – uh, not a lot of time to read uh, or scan and slide my phone and go through my news feed. So I was popping my headphones in a lot, you know, listening to podcasts, specifically when I would drive him to daycare and then go from daycare to work. Uh, and your podcatcher, do you use just the the native app on your phone yeah. or do you go get something else? I've just been using the uh, the Apple podcasts for a long time. Yeah. I know uh, Overcast is a good one. Um, Stitcher, Google Play. We've Spotify. noticed that at least for this show, our podcasts, the, the number one app is the Apple podcast mm-hmm. uh, catcher. Sure. You know, the, the, the native app. Yeah. It seems it comes, you know, comes standard on the ever popular so iPhone. So you just, you just have to subscribe to Talk yeah. Eerie and you can listen Absolutely. to the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wish people and would. We, and, and again, you always give us the best practice and something to to learn we learned to, to start the group last time you were yes. here this time it's like i gotta stay on the podcast i had i think i had discounted the podcast because you know when when i was when i'm when you're pumping out a show a day how many how many listeners to a day am i going to get maybe 15 or 20 right but i once i got behind I found out how I was losing listeners. How yeah. it was like I lost trust with those listeners. Right. You know, basically the last ten percent. Yeah. So I have to build back trust with the, with my listeners of my podcast. Yeah, in radio, you know, much like you know, churches or keynote speeches or TEDx talks, whatever, are is great because you've got an hour of content. And all we're doing is talking. Yeah. And so it, it's sad to say live radio happened in that hour, two hour time frame. And then if people missed it, 
they'd have to dig through the archives, go back to YouTube, whatever. Oh, I missed it. I'll listen tomorrow. Whereas now you've got an hour's worth of content. If you've got somebody that can cut up clips, I mean, great. Put the whole put the whole episode online. Make mm-hmm. yourself an hour long podcast. But there's also the opportunity to take that hour and cut it up into yeah. digestible clips. And I think people like myself, busy working professionals or parents or whoever, they are craving just those those nuggets of mm-hmm. five ten minute clips that they can listen to, real life practical stuff that they don't have to sit through an hour long speech talk or whatever and podcasts provide that that platform and that's why i think they're they're going to be around a while because we live in this culture now i think where everyone just consumes content as much as they can from a variety of places blogs tv news still radio like this but podcasting is one that at least i can speak for my peers where it makes the most sense for my lifestyle. Now you've been on a few uh, local podcasts. Yeah. Uh, any favorites that you you'd want to promote? Oh man, uh, there's a great eerie podcasting scene right now. Um, I saw a slide today at a presentation I was at that had a whole list of all the podcasts that are being produced right here in Erie that I didn't even realize. There were that many. A few that I know of. Um, there, I hope f- we were on that. List. Yeah, I think they. I, it was oh, alphabetical. There's okay, that many. Good. Yeah, yeah. But it was uh, Jolene Bush made oh, the slide. So yeah, okay. If it wasn't on there, you can talk to her. <laughs> I, <will laughs> I just threw her right under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> but there's some great ones. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Louis, he does a podcast called uh, Aspire for More, and he inter- he interviews local entrepreneurs and people uh, that are really in that demographic of younger professionals trying to make it in Erie. And and there's uh, there's one uh, there's Idiotville podcast. Yeah, we, we had those guys on. Yeah. Uh, there's so many good ones. Uh, I'm leaving a few out. There's one that I just started with uh, R.J. Messenger of Iron Empire. Yeah, tell Leave me about legacy. that one. Yeah. So what's it called again? Leave your legacy. So it really just plays right into R.J.'s brand. Uh, he wants to talk to people locally, not so much about business, but what happens after your your hopefully successful business. The that's, legacy. That's kind of been a thing. Well. The the kind of the in between time has been important for yeah. RJ because he had such a great ramp up and then he kind of hit a time of crisis, Correct. didn't he? Correct. Yeah, and he obviously things are going much better for him yeah. right now. But he wants to interview local entrepreneurs, a lot of the same people you or I might sure. talk with. But he's interested in in actually kind of forcing them to think about you know, what are they doing now in their business at home? You know, wherever in their circle in the community what their legacy is going to look like. Cause he's a big believer in someday he wants, you know, people to remember him for a certain wow. way, obviously. Wow. So, uh, the guests he's had on there so far have just spoken a lot to here's what I'm doing now. So that in 30, 40, 50, God willing years, when I'm not here, this is what I'm remembered for. So it's been cool to listen to some of those folks and I'm involved with that podcast. And I, I just have enjoyed, I've enjoyed forcing people to ask that questions because a lot of time it's like, hey, what's going on right now that's making you excited? It's hard and sometimes uncomfortable to think about what you're doing, you know, now that's going to affect you and your family long after you're gone. So, talk to that uh, that entrepreneur or that that person getting started. They have an idea for a podcast, but they're like overwhelmed by the technology piece. We're so fortunate to have the Idea Lab at the library with an audio yeah. studio. Yeah. The, there has never been an easier time in Erie, Pennsylvania to create content and create podcasts. Uh, besides the great stuff they have at the library, Cam Erie is another great resource. That's where a uh, podcasting studio I use. Uh, the pricing is so reasonable and uh they have a great podcasting studio, great folks there that help uh, with the resources. There's a training session, like they 
there's no barriers there really to start a podcast. They want you to walk in. They want you to hit about three buttons and start talking. Uh, Radius Cowork, uh, the folks from Menagerie, they are putting in a podcasting studio uh, in, in uh, the Radius Coworking space up there uh, at the Renaissance Building. So that's another option that'll be great for all those folks that are doing uh, that that work out of Radius. If they want to create podcasts, it's literally like a couple floors up and down the hall, and that podcast studio will be available to them. And then I actually just heard today from Tracy Tudup that they're also doing a podcast studio right over here at WQLN. Makes sense. So yeah. I mean, there's really no excuse nowadays to not. You know, I know a lot of people think oh, I got to buy a mic and I got to have all this equipment. Uh, I need to know how to edit. Correct. It, it, <laughs> it, you really don't. It's it's a matter of just don't get caught up on uh, on on the on the creative process. Just start creating. You know, the the people get too hung up on the getting ready and buying the equipment. Just start. Just start. Is is it my live feed? Good enough for you, Chris. You have to have your yeah, own life. Well, I, you know, I actually will. Confess, oh, you just want you want the side shot? I guess I don't, I'm not a big <laughs> fan, but I have actually never gone live on my own Facebook page, so this is a first. Okay, for me. so that's so good. This yeah, is a special this is, moment this for is, me, Joel. Uh, yeah, we, your angle is much better. I definitely don't like the, the low. And look at the contraption here. that we have here. That's too. fancy. I like that. We're trying to do like a three camera shoot. In fact, I think I'm going to challenge Adam to get our cameras going tomorrow because okay. I've got. Uh, uh, yeah, he's like laughing at me. I've, I've got I've got the children's dental show going on tomorrow, and I really want to try the three the three camera shoot. There's a there's a piece of software that only uses iOS. Oh, cool! That you can you can switch yeah. cameras and the whole bit. You know. So. Well, I'm fascinated by the people yeah. that do live radio or a podcast. They've got the YouTube like they're recording it yeah. on camera, but then they're also live streaming it to YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And I'm like, this is a whole thing that you got going on, but mm -hmm. it's it's actually easier now than it ever has been. It's almost like you could be a one man show sitting there switching cameras. You, you, you're just hitting buttons switching cameras. So I mean if you can get in the rhythm of oh when I'm talking I'm gonna press my button and when you're talking press your sure, button. Sure. That's pretty remarkable. Wow. Let's let's uh, let's pivot and again and uh, I'm, I, I'm like pivot is really in front of me right now because I guess was it Netflix or one of the new streaming services just paid a fortune to get friends. Did you hear about this? Oh, so to syndicate it to get to, the to get the, syndicated to get the streaming of, of, yeah. of Friends. Sure, and and so you know, of course, Ross and his oh, pivot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about online reputation. Number one. Um, I've done a little bit of online reviews on TripAdvisor. It was just kind of like a little thing to – I like to write every once in a while, yeah. like to test my writing. And so I was doing some reviews, and I, I generally stay away from doing negative reviews. I don't, I don't want to get accused of right. – of, you know, I just would rather be quiet. If you can't say something nice, don't say it at all, Love right? Love it. You're your <laughs> ideal customer. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> but uh, – but, you know, online reviews in the hospitality business, in any kind of service business. Um, I remember uh, a friend who had a photography business. They got one nasty review, yeah. and it colored mm. the entire. And this is really early on in the internet. It colored the. You know, it was really, really sad. Yeah. So talk about what a business or an entrepreneur or a service provider is supposed to do about all these online 
uh, review things. Yeah, it's become easier than ever to to leave those online reviews. And again, we live kind of in this world where it's also very easy to disguise your you know your identity just by firing off a negative review. And you know, like you said, don't say anything unless it's kind. Well, some people don't feel that way, right? And I've seen that happen with with some of our clients too, where they're like, Chris, how do I? I have a hundred great reviews, but for some reason, that one or two negative one keeps keep keep coming to the top, and mm. people see that one that stands out like a sore thumb and there is no easy way to really remove those types of reviews you know how important are they uh, you know i don't know that they're that important nowadays because like i talked about earlier i would rather go and and send you a message joel and say hey joel did you try the new restaurant out because i've seen mixed reviews what are your thoughts and you'd say chris it's great that's i would rather talk to a friend old-fashioned word of mouth and say hey what do you think? So I know that that's, you know, online reviews still, especially if you're visiting a city, for, you know, you're out of town and you're like, I don't know, I've never been here. I want to read some online reviews. But as the business or brand, I think it goes back to, again, finding your tribe and finding your, your community of people that love your restaurant, that they would leave a hundred positive reviews if they could. So you can look at it this way. Let's say I own a restaurant and I have done a good job with my social media and I have built a good following of people. Maybe I even started a private Facebook group of my most loyal customers that would fall on a sword for me. Maybe it's only a hundred people and maybe I have 5,000 fans on my page, but I also kind of created this smaller community, my tribe, if you will, of people. So if I have a negative review that just popped up on Google and I look at it and I say that's not a fair review because if it was a negative review you're going to get some people that aren't happy maybe sure. you overcooked the the burger or something but yeah. if it's like unfair and you're really bothered by that negative review why not commission those people your community in that private Facebook group or on that group message or, or even just in your physical realm of of influence and say hey I need your help I got a negative review would you guys mind going in and supporting me in either leaving some positive reviews if you haven't already, yeah, you know, or going in and backing me up on this person's potentially false claims. Interesting. Because I think it speaks volumes when someone leaves a negative review and then I look at that negative review and I'm like, ooh, that's ugly. But then I see 15 comments below there that say, hey, Nancy. That's not fair. Yeah, yeah we've been there a hundred times. And yeah, once or twice the food wasn't perfect, but we love this place. I'm going to be like, okay. You know, I it kind yeah. of self-policing itself. Yes. Let's grab a phone call. Caller, you're live with Joel Natalie and Chris Norris on Talk Erie. Great show as usual. And uh, I did have a, a observation and a question. I'm a little surprised. Um, I do. I've done quite well on social media, but one thing I've learned not to do is mix in my politics with my message. And I'm really surprised that a lot of local businesses that have no problem getting into politics online potentially alienating you know roughly half their uh, customer base what do you i'll hang up and just listen to your answer but i i'm really surprised that people can't well i i, I mean i call it lack of self-control i mean i mean i'm very careful about their reputation online and i've learned just don't go don't don't go there so again i'll just listen thank you okay thanks for the call what do you think chris i, I mean because some people like 
they're really out there with their politics. Sure, sure. Could you? Could you? I didn't hear his whole uh, question. Could well, he he was just saying he tries to keep his politics outside of his oh, business. Yeah. It's you know if he's conducting business online, he keeps the politics out of it. Yeah. But uh, he sees local businesses that are really out front with their with their politics, and that's it could be alienating half of their audience. It could. And again, it goes back to who exactly is your audience, and if you really narrow down and you are confident that your audience stands behind the same beliefs, even political views, then by all means, go after them. I know that that a lot of the younger demographic, they want to follow brands and businesses that aren't afraid to take a stand. They want to get behind a cause. Now, there is so a, this is a generational thing. I think so because I know that the younger folks, they want to follow brands that believe in something. Now, I'm not saying that you should always give your two cents on the heated political environment we live in, but if you if your business really stands and it's part of your brand to take a stand uh, either on a political side of a party or on a social issue, then Use that to your advantage. As long as you can back it up with your your business model and and, and your beliefs, then make it part of your social media strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't. So you don't you don't see the downside. I see the downside if it's all you're doing. If every time I open my feed and I see oh business owner Joe is once again lambasting you know the latest political movement or, or commentary, right. then I get annoyed by that. But if I also open you know a social media app and see that a business that I'm supporting is also supporting a cause that I believe in, then I'm going to be more apt to. Uh, support them. Mm -hmm. So it is a tough line because that's what's happened to Facebook is it's just become so noisy with people's political opinions. And I think there's a difference between your opinion and your perspective. So if you're, if you're sharing your opinion constantly, especially from a personal page, that's a little off-putting. But if your business or brand is taking a stand in a tactful, you know, empathetic way, people will get behind that. And more, more of more of cause marketing. It sounds like to yes. me. Yes. What you do on your own personal Facebook page is fine, but use extreme caution when speaking to a, especially a political issue, from your business or brand's page. I, I think a lot of this comes from. I don't, I don't know if you were at any of the global summits that. Uh, they were talking about Toms, you know, the Tom yes, shoes, it, where right. you where you buy a pair of shoes and another pair of shoes is given to uh, a worthy person, what around the world, yep. right? Yep. And so that Tom's model has been duplicated over and over. Walgreens with their red nose deal, yep. you know, and and the free shots. Uh, you buy a flu shot, they give a flu shot in in a foreign country. That seems to be that kind of cause marketing that's coming around. Yeah, people, especially again, the younger, you know, millennials. They they like there's because it's so noisy out there. There's so many. Can you brands. still buy a Tom's? Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah. Tom's <laughs> is still a thing, but you're right. That market is kind of becoming oversaturated too. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's something to be said about standing up for what you believe and building that into your business model and how you present that across social media and stuff. But just be careful because again, there is a big difference between doing that tactfully mm-hmm. and doing it to the point of you know. Uh, overwhelming annoyance where it's just you're screaming your political views out there that gets dangerous and that's why a lot of people quite honestly have 
walked away from Facebook mm. because this time of year, that's all you see. Yeah, I, I am seeing people that are saying, okay, I'm going to just shut it off right, for a while. Right. Let, let, let's go back to online reputation. There's so many of these directories, so many of these places where there's reviews. What are the important ones and what should that small business person do to make sure that their directory listing that is accurate and complete? There are so many online reputation platforms now. Like you said, a few of them, TripAdvisor, Yelp, uh, you know, Google Review, Facebook Review. I would start with Google for sure. Every Like business, Google My Business? Yes. Google My Business, first of all, it's Google. And Google is obviously the number one search engine in the world. And everybody who has a business registered can go on Google and claim their business. If you haven't already done that, you should certainly do that. And they're, they're going to probably show your location. Yes, that's the thing. Everybody nowadays, especially with voice technology and Hey Alexa and and everything that is voice activated, that's most of that's Google triggered, right? So mm-hmm. if you're walking out the door and you say, Hey Alexa, show me restaurants within five miles, they're not going to take you to a Yelp page. They're going to pull up their Google results and they're going to read you back the reviews that are on the homepage of Google. So start with Google, fill out your profile, claim your business, um, and send your reviews there. Uh, first and so di- direct your customers and your raving fans to Google yeah. to review. Correct. Kind of build build up that kitty of, yes. of positivity. Yeah, because honestly, it's so easy to leave a Google review because literally all you have to do is Google a business, talk Erie Radio. It's going to show me your website. And then on the, on the right-hand side, it's going to show me your business, your hours, your reviews. And it's going to even tell me, hey, do you want to leave a review? All you got to do is you never have to leave that Google search result to leave a review. Whereas with the other ones, you kind of got to do a little digging. You might have to say, hey, Joel, if you wouldn't mind, go to Yelp.com, search for Talk Eerie, and leave us a review. And you're like, oh, okay, it's extra step. It's so easy to do it on Google. Um, but start and you're saying Google. pretty much everybody in any category yeah. should be re- lose, uh, leaving a review. If you, have a, if you have a cleaning service that is open to beyond your family and friends. Yes. You should have a Google My Business uh, listing. Yes, because think about how many people search. They don't go to Facebook and type in cleaning services, Erie PA. They go to Google, and that's where they're going to see the reviews for your business uh, right there in the search result. Uh, the next one would probably be Facebook because of the social component there. Because mm-hmm. if I leave a positive review for Talk Erie Radio when I get home and somebody's thinking about coming on your show, but they're not sure, they're scrolling through your reviews, they're like, oh, everyone says this Joel guy, he's kind of mean. And uh, <laughs> they see Chris Norris's review and they're like, I know Chris. <laughs> right. He loves Joel. <laughs> they will see that. And there's I that, again, it. that word yeah. of mouth element. So wow. definitely Google, Facebook. It is one level from word of mouth, isn't it? It's like you speaking. Right. Yeah, I think so. Because that, again, if I didn't see Chris Norris's review on there, I might call Chris and say, hey, I'm reading all these reviews that are all over the place. I know you've been to Talk Erie Radio or you've been to said restaurant. Mm-hmm. What do you think? So it that's it's one step before just actually a good old-fashioned phone call. Interesting. Um, and the rest of them, honestly, to me, are, to borrow an eerie term, a horse apiece because <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I, you had to do that. That's I'm just, awesome. I've really been overusing that lately. <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming a true eerie. You are, man. But uh, they, Six of one, half dozen another. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other ones are all great, but I just yeah. think they're a little bit more... Again, difficult. if you're in the hospitality space, TripAdvisor is a all must. All of them. You have to be on all of them, yeah. Oh, you have to be on all of them, I yeah. think, yeah, because you just never know. Some people, so like, like when preference. you guys were gearing up the underdog barbecue, yeah, 
I mean, it's just, I mean, I just had to take hours to yeah. get this thing going on. Yeah, we had to fill out each profile, you know, your updated hours, your menu, you know, pictures of your food if you want. It's like almost having another social media profile. Uh, but honestly, I see the back end now of all that stuff, and I get 98% of the reviews we get are coming straight from Google. Every day wow. I sift through dozens. Is being a thing? Is I... If it is, I'm not seeing any reviews coming my way that says, hey, so-and-so left a five-star Bing review. Uh, <laughs> and I guess shame on me for not checking Bing, but I don't get on Bing that often. Again, wow. it's it's all Google. And again, you're de- when it comes to underdog barbecue, you're dealing with basically a national brand. Right. Yeah, so that is that has had all that millions of dollars of free marketing correct. from the TV show. Yeah, and people are leaving reviews not just for their experience at the restaurant, but for watching the show, for buying uh, a T-shirt. Uh, we just launched our rubs, our barbecue Rust Belt rubs yesterday, so people are going to start leaving reviews for I those. I like that, Rust Belt yeah, rubs. Yeah, it's good stuff. I, is, is RJ like the merchandiser guy? So, yeah, RJ is uh, in charge of kind of the... Everything, but, but does barbecue. he just get all that? <laughs> he must well, <laughs> just really get merchandising. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. A, you know, an expert with the brand, and you can just tell like his he's had his hand in how the the barbecue, the underdog brand, has been established. So if you walk into his physical store, uh, Iron Empire, you'll see some underdog stuff there, and you'll see some Iron Empire stuff, and you immediately can kind of see. A similarity mm-hmm. in the brand, but yeah, it smells like in the back of his store. It smells like barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tease because it's like, why does it smell like barbecue? It's like, well, because we're packaging up sauces and rubs here, and oh my so, gosh, yeah, a lot of that stuff actually happens at his his store. Um, but yeah, the brand is great. The sauces are awesome, but people are reviewing all that stuff, and most of them are coming in from Google. So, what happens when? It's more than just one uh, one bad experience, but you really have an over, you know, you really have a crisis. Mm-hmm. Now, again, if you were a big corporation, if you were a Fortune 500, you have a whole uh, marketing communications department that is trained in crisis communications. But uh, Joe Schmo that, uh, you know, is changing brakes and, and, and doing tie rods and gets a lot of bad reviews or, or you know, he got a bad batch of cars yeah. uh, of, a, of a used car similar. I don't want to pick on the car dealerships, but you, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. it could be in, it could be in any, any segment. It could be in healthcare. Sure. Oh my, you know, my, my dad uh, got septus at, at this uh, facility he was staying in or whatever. Right. I mean, that could be really tough. What do you do? Yeah. So if you don't already have some type of a, crisis plan in place like a you know social media crisis plan like hey here's how we're going to handle a potential crisis i would suggest doing that um but again if you're if you are just a small business single guy operation out of a garage i would say if once those negative reviews start coming well first you probably have a bigger problem on your hand if you're getting that many negative reviews luckily i haven't had to deal with too many of those in in my short time doing this but i would say at that point in the game if you're getting an influx of negative reviews you've got to reply to every one of them you've got to be honest you've got to say look you know uh, we're still growing. We're still learning. So sorry. You've really got to display empathy uh, in those situations because I think that people might see those negative reviews and and hopefully return that empathy to you and say, okay, this guy clearly is 
got an issue, but he's addressing the issue. Don't let them fester there and just leave, wow, 10 negative reviews, too positive. I'd rather see the 10 neg negative reviews and see someone on the other end I guess admitting that there's a problem and you're working to. I mean, fix you could you could have been serving a bad batch of romaine and lettuce that you didn't catch before the recall, right? You have this generational thing. It, it's not so generational because my 91 year old mother is so on Facebook. I mean, she she is a boss, hmm. you know, on on commenting and you know those little little uh, comments of encouragement to her kids and her grandkids and you know now her great grand. I mean, it's amazing the ministry, really, Chris, sure. that my mom is able to do. Uh, on Facebook, right? Along with you know having a blast with her, with her, um, uh, her puzzles. Sure, <laughs> she's totally into the puzzles. So it's you know it's it's generational in a certain way. I think it's more on the whole concept of um, of the, of the business aspects and, and of the best practices. Yeah, because if you're used to, I mean, I mean, if you're forty years in the business and you've been running your business a certain way, and then all of a sudden you have to have this whole new um attention that has to 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 maybe that that owner they can't see the roi on the thing right yeah social media is a tough especially kind of the old school where what's the roi i get people that ask me that sometimes and it, i'm not sure that i can provide a, a great answer to that question either but i'm learning now even just as kind of starting off my own businesses you got to delegate things i'm learning that very quickly here and i would say to somebody who is you know has run a successful business for 40 some years like you said yeah. and they're like well you know we're not on all the socials well find someone who is uh there's lots of resources available as far as you know interns and younger people mm. that want a chance to get their hands on your accounts and show you how to do it the right way, especially, and it's a bonus if your audience actually falls within the range of a younger demographic, why not get them to help you? Yeah. You know, and that's the biggest thing is I think you got to give up control sometime because social media is always changing. And if you're trying to run a business that you've run for 40 years, and then you're trying to catch up on all the latest and greatest social media trends, you need someone to potentially hold your hand and either coach you along, which is what I like to do, uh, and show you best practices and empower you to do it yourself, position you as the hero and, and you know, me as the guide. But it is a matter of kind of giving up control sometimes. So, so you're, when you come in uh, to a prospective client of yours, you're not saying, well, I'm just going to take over your feed. Not always. Not It's not my preference to do it that way. Yeah. I always offer our coaching consulting services first because I could talk, as you can tell, I could talk about this stuff all day. Mm -hmm. And I want to sit down and see people do it themselves. The 91-year-old woman, that makes my heart sing. Like, I if, if she can figure it out and be yeah. relevant why can't a business owner? So I want to teach people how to do it themselves because I don't live in your world. That'd be like, you know, me trying to post for Joel Natalie. I don't yeah. live in your world, but I want to show you how to show your world to your so that so that customers. pool dealer and that pool maintenance person, you know, can really have a a, a community of Absolutely. pool owners, Absolutely. and potential pool owners, and they can really tell stories yes. and and connect. I I believe so, and I I'm always it's up for the challenge. every category. Yes, everybody loves a, a good story, Chris. They do. Yes, I, I do. mean storytelling is kind of what we do here yep. on the show. How does that? reflect itself in social media 
Well, my goodness. I mean, every day I feel like there's a new trend, a new tool coming out that lends itself to effective storytelling. And uh, again, like you said, there's nothing more attractive, I think, to the human element of attention than story. You know, you're captivated by a good story, right? We know the good storytellers and we know the bad storytellers. Sure. Um, So I just really believe that social media has become a very noisy space with people posting their highlight reels and their sales pitches and maybe their political agendas and opinions. But there's still so much potential there, I think, to share compelling stories. Now, I'm not talking about a story that is going to win an Academy Award necessarily, but even something as simple as, hey, talk about your family's business. How did it get started? I want to know your story. Oh, Chris, it's not really anything great, but it's like, it could be. Just tell me about it because yeah. I shop here all the time and I actually have no idea how long you've been around or how it came to be or how you've evolved over the years. And I, think, I mean, think about your story just for a second. Sure. I mean, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you are in front of that microphone. So, <laughs> so, I mean, when you think about it, you came out of sports. You came out of sports management, right? You were doing communications for the Seawolves, sure, right? Sure. Didn't you work for both uh, yeah. couple teams here, the Otters too? I worked, no, no just uh, with the, I went backwards. I started in the major leagues and worked for the Cleveland Indians <laughs> okay. for a season. And then okay. uh, came down to double A here and worked uh, in Erie. That's what brought me here to work for the Seawolves, yes. And you were, do, you were doing uh, communications and video? And... Yep, uh, director of entertainment, uh, so much fun. It was just basically oh live at the ballpark, yeah. <laughs> that is that is that yeah. is like a dream job. It was. And, and then you, uh, when did you get to Mercier's? When did you get to the college um, scene? Two, early 2012, so was that coming out of uh, yeah, baseball? Le- mm-hmm. Okay, I left uh, baseball and and went into higher education for six and a half years. And it was immediately apparent to me how much, uh, and in and you know, with uh, with all due respect to the other universities in town, but the Mercyhurst approach to social media was so much further advanced during your tenure there. Again, take that time and space. Night, what was it, twenty twelve or 2012, whatever? Twelve. Yep. I mean. I mean, people were just kind of getting a handle on social, mm-hmm. you know, and, and using it for c- connection and communication. And so we always knew when a kid got an acceptance letter <laughs> yeah. to MU, yep. you you told their story. Yeah. You were always reflecting back and confirming. It's almost like you were confirming their choices, you yeah. know. Yeah, because that's I think that's what people relate to. Again, it's that it's that human element of relatability. I could take a, a staged picture of a group of very good looking, diverse college students holding their diplomas, wearing their Mercyhurst gear, but uh as effective as that might be, I think people would relate more to the, you know, high school kid that took a picture standing in his kitchen with, that his mom made him take holding his acceptance. <laughs> you know what I mean? That right. is way more relatable, isn't yeah. it? So that that was always the best part of that that season of my life was seeing the joy in, in these college students that were taking, or the future college students that were taking pictures of their acceptance letters or four years later, which obviously happened very quickly, graduating from college. And Yeah, I never thought of that. You probably saw several it was. generations it was graduating. A few, yes. Yeah. And it made me feel old, but it was really cool <laughs> <laughs> at that point to go back and say, oh my gosh, I remember when this student posted their acceptance letter. Now they're posting their diploma and it was yeah. kind of crazy. But yeah, storytelling's always been an important part of how I've approached social media. And the great thing about that experience at Mercier's was that was right when like Facebook and had just kind of become more than just uh, 
you know, a personal platform. Businesses were using it. Universities were yeah, using the it. The cat memes were the... Yes. Know. And Instagram wasn't even really mm-hmm. around yet. I picked the perfect time to dive into social media because it was evolving in front of me. In All right. Of- let, 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 me, uh, let me go ahead and admit my, my failure in social media. I don't understand how to use Instagram to advance my brand here at the radio station because... Um, I mean, we do take pictures of people in front of microphones. Okay, yeah, that's pretty boring, you know. I mean, it works for my for our for our website or whatever. But I always think of Instagram having to have compelling, well well framed, well lit uh, pictures, and I just don't got the, got so many of yeah, those. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think that's a common misconception because that's what Instagram was for a while. Beautiful photography by talented photographers sharing their work with one another. That's actually exactly what it was kind of established for. But, and it still is. There's definitely still a space for that. Some of the most beautiful Instagram feeds are from people that have high-end cameras and wonderful photography. But also, Instagram is still about relatability. And if you think about, yeah, you're right. You can only take so many pictures of people in front of microphones. But... Think about what's happening in our community. Uh, Joel, when I go to an event, I usually always see you there, whether it's a grand opening or, or some kind of breaking news. Talk Ear is usually somehow loosely involved or they have a presence there. And I think about, you know, maybe Instagram being a place where you are just staying on the pulse of what's happening in Erie, because that's what you do here is you talk about what's happening in Erie. Yeah, yeah. And searching around for those events, searching around for hashtags, you know, tagging, looking through location tags of, of what's happening in downtown Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania, Erie County, and simply either reposting them, like user-generated content is great, or commenting and chiming in as Talk Erie and saying, hey, congratulations on the grand opening and and whatever. But it it is more about communicating, and that's what you guys do here. So I would say not to get too hung up on the kinds of pictures you're posting Uh and maybe focus more on how you're interacting and engaging with the Erie community, because there's a lot of people that are on... Instagram. I was going to say, I want to, I want to take a quick look here while we've got a second. And of course I have to, you know, log in and my my code and confirm and all that. But, um, yeah, uh, if I do hashtag Erie right now, right. You know, what am I going to see here? here, uh, Well, there's 337,000 posts with hashtag Erie. I see a lot of families. That's cute. I see a lot of people. Someone in Erie loves me. I see the uh, gorgeous picture of the um of the lighthouse oh yeah yeah see, see some t-shirts and yep. some of downtown here right so here's your most recent one so i can already tell you this oh, there's is the bubble tea yeah, yeah there's bubble tea so see that's a great shot great picture and they're showing up as a as a recent post under the hashtag eerie so like if i was managing your account right now i'd probably uh double tap that picture and leave a comment and say we love your tea yeah. support whatever you know what or i mean like congrats uh, congrats whatever Nora and mm-hmm. um and andy right Exactly. And they've been on your show, so they would know, oh, Joel, it's Talk Eerie. Um, So, yeah, perusing hashtags, you can get lost. I'm doing this live on the radio here. Look at that. Look at that. And I got to I got to hit the uh, hit the, the perfect. Smiley. Okay. And I like that it came from Joel Natalie too. Okay. Because tell me about that. Well, because I was going to tag Talk Eerie and my I put some on Instagram about being on your show, and I was like, sure. Does Talk Eerie have a Instagram? We don't. Which yeah. is okay because again, you could have one, but. 
when I look at Joel Natalie, I can see your face. I can click on your profile and be like, ah, oh, there's a friendly face, Joel Natalie. Uh. It, you, it's Joel. And if you want Joel to be connected to Talk Erie, which obviously you are, yeah. it might be more advantageous to stay personal because that's what it's all about, that personal connection. Whereas if I had an, a Talk Erie account, it'd be your logo. And people might not know. I wonder if that's Joel or is that Adam or is who's. I get. To I get what you're saying. And, and and base. And to me, a personal approach to this particular social media channel seems more appropriate than you know. With our page, it's it's very official. Here's what's happening today. Yep. Here's the news stories of the day. Here's our latest. Uh, post from uh from our podcast i mean it is kind of that gathering place for content yes whereas this is where you know we can we can talk we i could share your picture on instagram hey look who showed up at my show today yes exactly and it's it is a more personal place you're right instagram is definitely people go on there i believe to interact and engage with other humans. That's why it's no secret. Faces, we talked about this last time. You post a picture of someone's face on Instagram, I can promise you it's going to get more likes than a picture of your product or a perfectly staged you know, picture of something that you're working on. People's faces perform better because it's still that human connection. I'm going to stop and read this post because there's a human, there's Joel's face. Yeah. wonder where he's at today. So I, I, yeah, the, as much personality as you can showcase through your Instagram page, whether it's your businesses or your personal, that's that's going to be effective approach to Instagram for you. Let's switch channels. Let's go to let's go to LinkedIn because you mentioned that you're spending a lot of time in LinkedIn, and uh, I want. Okay, so we we obviously have a radio station here. We sell advertising. That's it. That's an important deal for us, right? But let's say I was a an insurance agent. I could probably use LinkedIn pretty effectively in in you know either both in commercial lines and in personal lines. Yes, I agree, and I think with LinkedIn, you well, there you are. There buddy. I am. I said, oh, it's great. It's great organic reach. See, I told you. Uh, yeah, LinkedIn is great because uh, again, the organic reach is great, and the you know the platform is kind of evolving into more of. I don't want to say it's like Facebook, but it's becoming more of a place to consume and create content. Whereas five or ten years ago, you probably remember this, Joel. You'd put your resume on there. You'd endorse yes. people for skills, and it was like you know a place for your your professional profile. But now, it's it's becoming more of a place to share more of your personality and make you more relatable. So, if so, you should feel kind of have that license. Yes, I. I, like when people put their birthday on LinkedIn, I don't want. I, that's not where I'm going to say happy birthday Correct. to you. Sorry. No, no, exactly. Your work anniversary goes on there. A, a photo of your team accepting an award. The opening of your new store. Again, human, human, human. As much as you can humanize it, the better. So, with that being said, if you are an insurance agency, I would encourage you to equip your agents to be going out and being involved in the community, posting that kind of stuff on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. Yes. Okay, and so if I'm a volunteer, well, I did the Erie's Best Coffee, okay? Sure. So that would be an appropriate, you know, my little picture, my my uh, dual picture with uh, Representative Bob Mursky was kind sure. of a fun shot. Sure. Yeah. Pop that on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Hey, we're, we're out there in the community. Absolutely, because... You know, if you want to have a, you can have a business page on LinkedIn, like, you know. Yeah, that, Talk Erie, we had, we, had, sure. we made one yep. for the radio station. And yeah. make sure that the people that are being your quote unquote brand ambassadors, the people are out in the community, like the Joel Natales, make sure that in their profile, it says, I work for this 
company. I work yeah. for said insurance agency. I work for for uh, Takiri. So that when people see you're out in the community, they say, well, this guy's everywhere. Where does he work? And I think nice. that if you're working yeah. for the insurance agency, or well, no matter where you're working, if people see you're out and about interacting with all kinds of other people, that speaks highly to the company you work for or the business you own because you're getting out there and you're engaging with the community, whether it's in person or online. Now look at uh, the major faux pas. I don't somehow I don't have my logo up there. Dude. Oh, for Talk Erie? Yeah. Yeah. And and I wouldn't I wouldn't worry like too many people like, do we have to set up a LinkedIn page and post from there too? Okay. No. I would just you can establish uh, you can establish your business as a business on LinkedIn and connect it to your profile. I would I would recommend that, but don't get hung up on okay. Well, then what do I post from my business from the page? business? Just just have it there as a reference mm -hmm. point exactly, yeah. and make sure that your profile and your employees who you are kind of equipping to be ambassadors and have good online reputations and you feel comfortable with them posting on behalf of your business. Make sure that they all have the connection in LinkedIn as well. Like I was working with a client that's, they want to use LinkedIn, but they're, how do we do it? I said, well, first of all, send out an email, a memo to all your staff with a simple, like, here's how you set up your LinkedIn profile. So they should know. all, yeah. If yeah. anybody has a, I mean, everybody could be on LinkedIn Absolutely. in your company. Exactly. And make sure, you know, that you have a profile that's filled out and then it's connected to our business or brand. And then here's a couple of things we would like you to share. So you're positioning yourself on LinkedIn as the expert, right? Because mm -hmm. you've got a yeah. lot of professionals on LinkedIn that might be searching around for either someone to hire or someone to do business with. Service provider. Yeah. Right. So you want to make sure that that's how you're presenting yourself. And if I come across Joel and I see that he's always posting great stuff and I like this guy, I wonder who he works for. I want to make sure it's a positive reflection of yeah. who you're working for. I want to, uh, while we're still talking about LinkedIn, I want to talk about nonprofits here for a second because I know we have a lot of uh, CEOs and folks that work for nonprofits that listen to the show. And um, how are they off the hook when it comes to a lot of these social media things? I mean, I know a lot of them do things for their fundraising or for their annual fund or whatever. Um, uh, but really, they could be telling stories about their board members, telling stories about their volunteers. There's a ton that nonprofits can do on social media. Absolutely. And and, and shout out to uh, Jolene Bush and the Nonprofit Partnership because they just did a session today on social media specifically uh, for uh, nonprofits in the area. And it was mm -hmm. very well attended and very well informing. Uh, and, and yes, they talked about that, Joel, and how like they're not off the hook. And there's so many people that support these nonprofits that are telling their friends about it. And again, if we go back to the word of mouth, quote unquote, marketing, that's the best way to support your nonprofit specifically from social media is find the people out there who support you and share with their friends the good work you're doing and why they support you. Find their content, bring them into a, a, an inner circle, a tribe, if you will, and say, hey, we don't really want to create these posts that talk about how amazing we are and how much money we raised. We actually want to have you guys talk about why you support us and kind of use your content, almost like mini influencers, to share the good news about, you know, the United Way or any other nonprofits. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, with, with St. Martin Center, to, you know, uh, they do such great work in the inner city for sure. housing assistance and so on, and 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 you know how they're just basically at that visceral level where where poverty sits in our community, mm -hmm. and again, you're not gonna 
you're not going to want to parade a, a a poor person in front of people. Right. But you can tell the stories of success. You can be discreet in, or tell the stories of volunteers who really give their time and their talents and their treasures to making good things happen with your with your agency. I, I, I want to ask you about LinkedIn because, again, this has that professional face. But it's, this, this whole thing stays with that, too, right? I mean, of telling those stories? I think so. Absolutely. Because, you know, you want the people that are your volunteers, that are your advocates, that maybe work for your nonprofit to make sure that they are proud to add that to their profile on LinkedIn, that I am a member of this nonprofit. And you want wow. to equip them as much as possible to share those stories organically. You don't want to coax them into something scripted, but you want your volunteers, even folks that maybe use your services to share their story. And some of the stuff they talked about today at this seminar was fantastic because some people were sharing about how their volunteers go home and then make a post about, oh my gosh, this was a life-changing experience working for this nonprofit, or I spent time at the shelter and I met this man, I won't say who he is, but he had a fantastic story and he inspired me. And they're posting that kind of stuff on social media because again, there's that storytelling element. People just want to tell stories and be heard and share their experiences. Some maybe are oversharers, mm -hmm. but the point is there's stories out there that some of your nonprofit volunteers, board members are sharing find ways to leverage that. I mean, the, the technical term for it is user-generated content. <laughs> is that what they yeah, call it? Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 and that's kind of what, you know, Jolene yeah. was saying today. It's yeah. like, hey, there's people out there already talking uh, about your nonprofit and, and something that you're doing. Go find them or, or kind of leverage them and have them kind of do the quote-unquote selling for you. So it is... It's, I, you know, I think about like a Servieri Saturday or, yeah. you know, one of the big, you know, now they're not going to do the school things anymore. They have a, another project. But back in the school thing, we, if every single person that did one picture, one selfie, like like Anything. like we did, scrubbing, sure. sc you know, scrubbing the, uh, the um, lockers yeah. at Erie High. That's right, yeah. I mean, just the sheer volume of a thousand people or two thousand people, correct? Y y doing a selfie at a Servieri event. That's right. I mean, it just seems like well, everybody was there. Exactly, and I know some people don't always share because some people don't have the mindset maybe that you or I have, Joel. Where oh, right. I should capture this moment. I should document this. But then in that case, then you need to have someone for your nonprofit ready and, and, and equipped to go okay. out and gather some of those stores. So for but instance, honestly, if you if you believe in that agency or you believe in that nonprofit, that social media post could be uh, as important as the hard work that you're doing for those four hours. Totally, because you're, you're you're spreading that work. And if I see you having fun scrubbing lockers at a high school, <laughs> then maybe I want to do that next or year. Or maybe I want to give a check for the Absolutely. next Absolutely. Yeah. And, and a great example that Jolene shared today that uh, maybe a lot of people locally could relate to is uh, she, a, a personal friend of hers, Tom Ridge's uh, daughter, Leslie, shared a picture of uh, Tom... And I guess it would be his grandson reading a book. And the book was from the Imagination Library. Oh, my goodness. So she posted that on her own from her personal page saying, look at Grandpa reading a book to my son. And Jolene, who works for, uh, you know, the, the United, United Way, Way yeah. saw that because she's friends with Leslie and said, hey, do you mind if I share that post on the United Way Imagination Library page? And, of course, Leslie was like, yeah, go for it. But sure. that is a great example of finding someone else that's, supporting your nonprofit and taking their content that tells an authentic story of a grandfather reading a book to their grandson, 
that speaks way more than any perfectly crafted sales pitchy type post that I could create asking for donations. You know what I mean? I think we have one minute left with you, Chris, and I think this is the key here, is the authenticity. It's the... It's the storytelling. It's the from the heart kind of communication. Whether you're you are a car, uh, you know, car mechanic, or you know, you're 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 in a nonprofit or in a service sector. Absolutely. And uh, someone I follow, a, a pastor of a mega church, a life church. His name's Craig Rochelle. If you know me, you know that he, that I really admire this guy. He he says it the best. He says people would rather follow someone who's real than someone who's right. And I think too many times we get on social media trying to be right, sell the right way, share the right way, post the right picture, when really people get behind someone who's just real. Maybe you share a post one day that you're admitting to a struggle, you're being a little vulnerable. That's way more relatable than someone who's always trying to be perfect. And I think that's in the culture and the climate we live in, People are more drawn to authenticity than ever before because so many people are sharing their highlight reels, whereas we have our behind-the-scene moments that we're afraid to tell people about because it's it doesn't seem like it's acceptable, but it is. And I would encourage people to find ways to share their story. Everybody has a story to tell. I don't care who you are, and the platforms are available to you. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at talkerie.com.